the Edible Gardens podcast, where we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. Thanks for joining me. My dream is to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies straight off the plant where you know what went into it from start to finish. Also, you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, and entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want. After all, it's your home, your yard, and your taste, and beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about, either the one you already have that just needs a little more oomph, or the one that's been in your head for who knows how long. Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Okay, so how does one start thinking about beginning an edible landscape? Well, I'm going to give you the good stuff up front, right here at the beginning. Use your existing landscape. We could stop there, but let's keep going. There's a lot of uh, really good reasons why you just use your existing landscape. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And it's just um, a really good strategy to start off, especially for the beginner gardener. But one of the best strategies is to think about you, what you would do anyway. So you will want to mulch, right? Uh, you want to keep the moisture in the ground. You want to choke out the weeds. So one good way to do that is just by planting a weed barrier plant. And it's just going to um, do the job of mulch. Now, you're going to mulch probably anyway. And I still think that it's a good idea. But if you want to start planting something in, just put it in where there's an open spot in your landscaping because there's always an open spot in the existing suburban type landscaping. I really like to use herbs. So herbs are very easy. They um, don't have very many pest problems. They're just very easy to grow. And if they're perennial, even better because they're going to come back year after year and you don't have to keep replanting them and you can just keep clipping oregano off of them or thyme off of them. But some of my favorites are oregano, thyme, sage, uh, just to name a few, but there's also a lot of really good other weed barrier plants out there, but I'm just going to throw those out there for a for instance, because they're going to cover the ground, moisture in, and they're going to keep the weeds from coming up. The, the fact that the aromatic herbs that you put down, they deter a lot of pests and they don't have very many pest problems. The pests just don't like the smell. It confuses them and they're like, where's the good stuff? <laughs> you know, so it's a, it goes back to companion planting. But if you're, if you use them in permaculture, we call them fumigants because it just, it keeps the pests away. They don't like it. They just don't like the way it smells. Now that's true for a lot of, a lot of herbs. And there may be some that a pest may go ahead and try to get through or whatever, but in herbs in general, just a really good place to start. 
but I'm also constantly looking at other ways that I can use uh, edible plants in an existing landscape. And so if I go to the hospital, for instance, to visit someone or a restaurant or downtown or a landscape at the shopping mall, and one of my favorite places is to go to the Botanic Gardens. That's my favorite me time getaway. I like to go there by myself. I take lots of pictures, but I really study how these professional landscapers or horticulturists uh, place everything. You know, the rows, the borders, the tall plants, the medium-sized plants. And the really cool thing about that is they have all the different styles or types or genres of landscaping. So you might see like a very architectural, clean line type of garden that has lots of uh, edges and precise ratios, where in another area, it will demonstrate the heirloom type of garden and it'll have very natural or even kind of an organized wild feel to it. And then um, at our botanic gardens, they have a Japanese gardener, they have an Asian style garden. And it's kind of cool because the Asian style garden has a real architectural yet wild sensation to it. So it has lots of stone and statues and um, it has usually a river with a bridge over it, but yet it feels like it's been there forever. So, and then there's the tropical style and I get to look at all these different ones. As a matter of fact, at our um, botanic gardens, we don't really have a tropical garden, but when I've been to some friend's house in Florida and I saw that they have banana trees and mango trees and uh, avocado trees and of course they had a pool so they had all these palm trees around the pool and I've been to uh, Honduras and Belize and really have seen some really cool gorgeous tropical style the wild style of gardens or even just the wild <laughs> just being out in the wild and going out to the little islands and what that feels like and that's a really good point because for me, it's not just about the beauty of the garden, but it's also how it makes you feel, right? And that's why you want it to be beautiful. That's why you want it to be pretty. So it, because it makes you feel a certain way. That's why you like to listen to a certain song or a smell will bring you back. But it, the way that it looks is also the way that it makes you feel. And I guess that's why it's so important to me. But I guess I've saved my favorite for last. And I'm sure I missed some of them but the Mediterranean style is my favorite. And I guess that's because to me, it really reminds me of a Southwest style. It's kind of the same kind of a microclimate. And um, also I'm a Texan, but uh, I guess that's not all. There is one more very important one, but the Mediterranean one is my favorite. I just love it. I guess because I like all the herbs and the lavender and uh, the cactus and things like that. But the last one that I can think of right now is the standard American subdivision uh, suburban landscape. You know, the one where people move into either a brand new home or they move into an existing home where it's in a subdivision with a POA or an HOA and all the landscaping just kind of seems to be pretty much the same. And dare I say, it's something that you just got stuck with. You didn't really have any choice of your landscaping when you moved into um, a subdivision like that. So you kind of just do whatever you can just to keep up with that. Well, it's really kind of good because you get to 
take advantage of all the soil and all the landscape, the mulch and the trees and everything that's already there. So you already have an overstory of a tree, which is usually just like an oak or something. And then you have some kind of hedgy boxwood ornamental um, plants that act as kind of a hedge. And so you can go ahead and plant right into the bare patches of mulch. And in these subdivisions, I always see there's a lot of room to just go ahead and plant. So if you want to plant right into that where there's a bare spot, some um, oregano, it's just going to be like a ground cover. And if it grows out into where the grass is, that's fine. You know, you just run over it with uh, the lawnmower or let your landscapers just edge it. They're just going to chop it off. They're just kind of harvesting for you. It's not a big deal. But if you want to go ahead and poke in a pepper plant here or there or a lavender plant here or there, or you want to put in something very grandiose, lemongrass. Oh my gosh, my lemongrass got taller than I am. And if you're not familiar with it, it just kind of looks like pampas grass without the little furry white thing on the top. Um, but lemongrass is something that you can buy in the Asian grocery stores or even some of the regular grocery stores. Sometimes they sell it as a paste, but it's a very good edible plant that you can grow that's just really beautiful. Okay, so let's talk cabbage for a minute. So I guess for me, I've been seeing cabbage or ornamental cabbage in existing landscapes for years and years and years. Um, you know, I see it at the movie theaters. I see it at, oh gosh, just all kinds of landscapes. Well, it makes me think, okay, so an ornamental cabbage is a little bit different than uh, the kind of cabbage that you grow in your garden that you eat because the kind that you grow in your garden that you'll eat is just humongous. I mean, they are huge. If you've ever seen pictures of people holding them up, it covers their entire torso, probably down to their knees up to their nose if they're holding one of these. But you know, to me, it's kind of like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. I wouldn't mind that. But if you're a little bit leery, then, you know, something like broccoli, um, broccoli rob some things like that would be really really cool to put in its place because you know basically the broccoli head that we think of when we buy in the stores is the unopened flower head so it, we usually cut it off when we eat it before it ever flowers but if you let it go to flower it's these beautiful little cute um yellow flowers and that's what broccoli is. Well, I just saw something just today, actually. Uh, <laughs> this is so cool. I just think this is the coolest thing ever. So on Oprah.com, they had the new It Veggie. And the new It Veggie is broccoli leaves. So broccoli leaves is very high in folate, in calcium, and the minerals and vitamins that you would think of when you think of broccoli. But it has a sweet flavor. And I have never done this. I've never seen this. I've never heard of it. I don't know why I never thought of it. But you can eat the broccoli leaves. Now, in this article, she says that it's kind of sweet, kind of like a sugar snap peas. Well, I like those. And it says you can saute them or you can put them in a chopped salad. Well, I am going to try this. 
I have never done this before, but I'm hearing a lot more about how you can eat pumpkin leaves, how you can eat, um, what was the last one that I saw recently? You can eat the leaves that come off of a pomegranate tree. And we have two pomegranate trees and it just produced the most beautiful, uh, what do they look, kind of like carnations. Um, but anyway, they had the most beautiful flowers on them, but I never thought about eating the leaves. So this is something that's kind of new for me. And I'm going to be trying some, you know, trying some recipes with eating the leaves. But if the broccoli plant, uh, and I will harvest broccoli and eat the broccoli, but if it goes to seed and it flowers, I'm cool with that too because it's very pretty in the landscape. But I'm definitely going to be eating the leaves. It's just, I'm just so, it's just so cool. I just think that is just so cool. Um, that's just one of the coolest things that I've heard in a long time when it comes to gardening. Okay, so you might be saying, Nanette, I know that some of these things that you've mentioned, um, like cilantro or cabbage or broccoli, they're very seasonal. So, and a pepper is very seasonal. So what do I do when it's time for that to die or go away? But that's the beauty of this strategy. Whenever it's done, you just pull it out and chunk it. You just pull it out and throw it away. Now, if you have a compost pile, please put it on your compost because that's a really good thing for the compost. But you just toss it, you know, you just throw it away. Uh, when you have your first frost of the season, then um, the pepper plant's not going to like the frost. And it's going to all... Uh, freeze like you would think it would when you put it in the freezer it's going to kind of look frozen first and then it's just going to turn brown you just pull it out and toss it in the next season you just put one more in or if you get brave put two more in or if you're really feeling like man this is awesome I'm going to do more of this because you couldn't really see it in my landscape but it was really cool whenever I could just go out back and pick some peppers when I was ready so but that's the beauty of this kind of strategy is just use the existing landscape that you have. And when you think about, if you have a landscaping company that comes and takes care of your yard, you just have a conversation with them and say, okay, this is my baby. <laughs> this is my pepper plant. Please don't do this or that to it. Don't chop it down with the weed eater. It's not a weed. Or if my oregano gets out of the bed, it's okay to just go ahead and run over it with a lawnmower. It's okay to go ahead and edge it because, you know, it'll it'll be fine. Um, and I am going to have an interview with someone who uh, owns a landscaping company and how they deal with someone who's growing food in a landscape. But if you have a landscaping company, a lot of times they'll do color changes for you, right? So they'll come in and they'll say, you know, like, okay, well, it's time to plant pansies now, or it's time to plant petunias now. And they'll come in and they'll do a color change. It's basically the same strategy. You just kind of treat it the way you would your normal landscape, but instead of changing out just flowers, which by the way, you know, a lot of these flowers are edible too, and they look really pretty on your plate. And there's a lot of things you can do with them, which we can talk about later. But there's a lot of things that, you know, just to open up your mind and start thinking about how you can integrate food into your landscape and be proud of that because it's really beautiful and it makes you feel good. And it's making you healthier because you're not buying it from the store where it has been possibly tainted with toxins or pathogens. It makes me think about last winter around Thanksgiving or Christmas, everybody was talking about 
salmonella or E. coli or something like that on all the lettuces. So this is something you just don't have to worry about. And there's a lot of reasons why that happens in big commercial production and it has a lot to do what they're fertilizing with, but um, you just don't have to worry about that. You just, you just don't. But I wanted to mention too, arugula is another plant that just looks like a leafy plant. It just looks like an ornamental plant that's in your garden. And personally, I don't really like arugula, but I've just let it go and it's still growing. It's February right now. And whenever it kind of bolts and goes to flower, it just puts off these pretty white flowers and it puts off a lot of seed pods. And a lot of times when I break open those seed pods, when I'm out in the garden, I just sprinkle them around. Even though I don't particularly care for arugula, but there's a lot of people in my family that do. And so uh, I just wanted to also talk real quickly about tapioca. I have never grown this plant, but when I'm looking at large leaf plants that I've been trying to describe how you could replace a large leaf plant in your in your ornamental landscape with a zucchini plant that just has a big pretty flower I mean a big large leaf on it very pretty um, and I personally didn't have any problems with any of my zucchini the last couple of years but I think it has to do with the soil I found tapioca. Well, I've never prepared tapioca. I know I've eaten tapioca pudding. I don't know how you prepare it, but I'm going to find out because the leaf on it is just amazing. It is the most interesting leaf I have ever seen on a plant, I do believe. And then artichokes. Artichokes is something that I found out that we can grow here in Texas when I went and visited an olive garden in uh, central Texas around the hill country, the wine country of Texas. And so I'm not sure if I can find a little microclimate here on my property where I can grow artichokes, but I'm so excited about it. The, again, that's one of those things where the artichoke head that we normally eat is actually the flower. So if, if I can't eat them all or if I can't give them all away, then they're going to open up into just a really pretty flower. Uh, rosemary is something that I know everyone has seen in landscape and yes they can get kind of out of control they can get very large but really all you have to do is just kind of trim them back you can even treat them like a hedge i like to take mine snip them off put them in some water in a mason jar on my kitchen counter in the window and and just i just grow a whole lot more from the cuttings i know i put them in the rosemary cuttings in flower arrangements I just think they're very pretty. I like the way they smell. Some people don't like the way they smell. But again, that's one of those things that you can use in your landscaping. And I'm pretty darn excited about cactus right now. So real quick story. I bought years ago, I bought a prickly pear fruit in a grocery store. And the darn thing cost me $2.50 for one, which is the size of about a kiwi, but I really wanted to try it. I had never eaten it before. So I called my uncle. Um, I couldn't talk to my grandma, unfortunately, about this because she has Alzheimer's. But I asked him, I said, how did grandma used to eat prickly pear fruit? And he kind of tried to explain it to me, but I don't think he ate it a lot. So I really didn't figure it out. I just couldn't figure out how to eat the darn thing. And I think that was before Pinterest. <laughs> I know it wasn't before the internet, but it was before I could really kind of do some digging on my own. And then later, I found out from a friend uh, through a conversation that he was telling me, and he's a little bit older than me. He's quite a bit older than me, actually. 
he was telling me how his parents used to eat it and how they they harvested them and how they burned off all the little hairs uh, by putting it on a skewer and then just kind of toasting it like a marshmallow over the flame. And so I went and got a big bucket of this. Uh, we have some friends, uh, some family that has a lot of land and it has a lot of cactus with a lot of prickly pear fruit on it. So I went and picked a big bucket of it. And man, I wish I would have gotten more because to me, they tasted like raspberries. And raspberries is something very hard for me to grow here. At least I've tried it and I have failed at it so far, but I'm gonna keep trying. But prickly pear fruit tastes like raspberries to me. And if you've never had a prickly pear martini or a prickly pear margarita, you're mi really missing out because uh, they are so good. And they're a little bit rare in that they're kind of hard to, to clean, but I have figured out the trick and I am definitely going to have a lot more of those. So um, prickly pear, if you are not familiar with what that is, it's kind of like the iconic Texas cactus. So my grandpa, who we call lovingly called Popo, uh, he used to eat these and we call them nopales. It's N-O-P-L-E-S. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but he would eat the leaves of the cactus. So it's the green part and he would, you know, take the, the thorns off of them. He always grew them in his backyard and he would kind of prepare them like you would green beans, I think. And I never ate that, but I am going to try it. As a matter of fact, I told, full disclosure here, I was such a picky eater growing up. I hardly ate anything. As a matter of fact, I think I've told you that I am Hispanic. I'm half Hispanic and I did not like beans. And my Mexican side of the family will say, what kind of Mexican are you? You won't eat beans, you know? And it was just kind of a joke. But I'm starting to learn how to eat beans, and I do like them certain ways now. I'm trying to figure out how I like them. But I told my husband, and this conversation specifically was about um, eggplants because I think they're so beautiful, and they have the most beautiful flower on them. I'm going to grow eggplants. I've never eaten one, but I'm going to try it 10 different ways. I'm going to cook it 10 different ways before I decide I don't like something from now on. I'm going to do that. Anyway, going back to the uh, the prickly pear, it is something that we we both, my husband and I, like the way they look. So they are going to be in our landscape. And I am going to, I know for sure, be eating the prickly pear fruit, which is also the part that opens up as a flower at the top of the, the cactus. And sometimes it has like a purple type fruit. Sometimes they're pink. Sometimes they're yellow, depending, I guess, on the variety or the time of season. But uh, I just can't wait. I'm really excited about cactus right now. But the, the whole point of this episode was just to get you start thinking about some of the things that you could interplant into your existing landscape. And you may not want to go as crazy as cactus or um, tomatoes in your front yard. But if you start, just start something simple. Just do it this year. I just, you know, encourage you. I'm supporting you. I'm cheering for you from the, the cheap seats here because I'm not going to be the one to plant it in your yard. But just start with something like oregano and just create a ground cover in your existing landscape because I know once you start doing this, once you just dip your toe in the water, you're going to absolutely love it when you can walk outside and pick some fresh cilantro for your salsa. 
and you know that you don't have to worry about it because you know what's been on it. You know what you put on it. You know you didn't spray it with herbicides. You know that it doesn't have salmonella because you're not spraying it with uncomposted manure, which is basically how all that happens. You know, you, <laughs> you go out to your yard and you pick some fresh asparagus and you throw it on the grill. And by the way, asparagus looks like a fern. That's, that's all it looks like. Uh, when it grows up and you let it flower and you let it go to seed and it just comes back year after year. But when you can go pick some fresh asparagus with your guest that comes over for dinner and you just throw it on the grill, it's just the best feeling in the world. Or when you can make them a prickly pear margarita or a prickly pear martini from scratch that you grew, it's just the coolest feeling in the world. But anyway, I'm going to wrap up the show now and I hope you all have a great week and just dip your toe in that water. When you go to the store in the spring and you think about planting something, think about an herb or think about strawberries or think about something that you can eat and look it up on the internet, see what it's going to look like. And if you don't feel comfortable putting it in your front yard, do it in your backyard this year, put it in your back bed and see what it's going to look like and you'll feel more confident next year to go ahead and do it in your front yard. I promise you, trust me, you are going to want to do this. But by the way, if you're listening to this in the fall, don't try to plant all these new plants in the fall. They need a little time to get established. So do it in the spring and it'll have uh, all summer to grow. And don't worry if you kill something, it's just a couple of plants. It's not like you put in a whole um, new landscape. It's not like you put in a whole, um, you know, Grammy type garden where everything's in rows and rows and rows and you put all this work into it. It's just one or two things that you're putting in. You're just dipping your toe in the water. And as we wrap up today's show, I want you to know this podcast is dedicated to you. If you're searching for a better source of food for yourself and the ones you love, I'm inviting you to come along on this journey with me. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can hit that subscribe button and let's all figure out together how we can put delicious, nutritious, and safe food on the table. And remember, your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Bye for now.